this time, I think it's important that we understand that things don't just happen, but God strategically moves and he desires men and women to move with him. And if the Lord would help me tonight, I want to deal with the subject of living a strategic life. How many knows that you're not here just to take up space? Oh, help me, Jesus. We're just not here to fill a calendar. We're not just here to go through the motions and live 50 years or 40 years or 20 years or 100 years and then just disappear. We're we're, we're created for a purpose. And how many knows it's one thing to be created with the purpose, but it's another thing to fulfill the purpose. You know, I, there's a lot of tools that has been developed over the years in all different industries. And it's amazing how they can be used and how they can make our lives much easier. But until someone learns how to properly use them, they can be more of a headache than they can a help. Amen? So living a strategic life is something that we want to dive into tonight. And I believe that we find a wonderful example in Second Chronicles chapter number 1. We're going to read the first 12 verses of this chapter together. Uh, if you're able, if you're not, I understand. But if you're able in honoring the word of the Lord this evening with me, I want to begin by reading in Second Chronicles chapter number 1, verse number 1. It says, And Solomon the son of David was strengthened in his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and magnified him exceedingly. Then Solomon spake unto all of Israel, to the captains of thousands and of hundreds, and to the judges and to every governor in all of Israel, the chiefs of the fathers. So Solomon and all the congregation with him went to the high place that was at Gibeon, for there was the tabernacle of the congregation of God, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, had made in the wilderness. Verse number six. And Solomon went up thither to the brazen altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of the congregation. And he offered a thousand burnt offerings upon it. And in that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David my father, and thou hast made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David my father be established, for thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people, for who can judge this thy people that is so great? And God said to Solomon, because this was in thy heart, and thou hast not asked riches, wealth, or honor, nor the life of thy enemies, neither yet hast thou asked long life, but hast asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people, over whom I have made thee king. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto you, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee. Neither shall there any after thee have the like. Let us focus on verse number 10 this evening just for a moment. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this thy people that is so great? Can we pray together? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for the privilege to stand and to teach tonight for a few moments your precious people. Lord, I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase tonight. I pray that the Holy Spirit would anoint that which is done in this service, the remainder of our time together today. Lord, we will give you the praise and the glory and the honor. The church says amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Over the last few weeks, we have talked to you about godly leaders in an ungodly world. We've dealt with the call. We've dealt with the heart. We've dealt with God-given vision. We have also dealt with priorities and decision-making. And we have proceeded to talk about the value of relationships. And tonight, 
I believe that what we're going to share is just as important as all of those things that I just mentioned, living a strategic life. We know this, the key to great planning is focus. Some of you, those parents that's in this room, you've probably said this or along these lines to your children, just focus for a moment. Maybe your parents told you that more than once or twice. I, I, I want you to understand the value of focus. We have preached over the years on a few occasions the, the value of living a focused life. But can I tell you, living a strategic life is only able to be obtained when you understand the value of focus. Solomon did not ask for great, witches, uh, great riches or fame for himself, but rather he asked for wisdom. And the, pers- uh, the, the purpose for this request was so that he could lead God's people. He understood that which had been given to him. And Solomon demonstrates at the very beginning of this passage of scripture that he understood and he, di- he, di- he really very clearly articulates and demonstrates a key aspect of leadership at all levels. And that is this. He understood that knowing where he was going was vital before he ever asked anybody to follow him. We are in a society today that we're continually asking people to come and go with us, but we don't even know where we're going ourselves. We ask a generation to come and follow Jesus, but yet we don't even know what that looks like anymore. We ask people to come and go to the house of the Lord with us, and then what do we do once we get them there? You see, the reality is today we have to have leadership. You and I today must understand that all great human endeavors that we could talk about today had two things attached to it. And that is this, there is a God-given element to it and there is leadership attached to it. And you and I today find ourselves in a world that paints a very clear picture of what it is when we have people just filling positions but are not really leading. We have that in church, we have that in the political realm, we have that in the business culture, in all levels. But can I tell you, it does not matter how many titles men may give you. If you and I do not understand the value of being prepared and knowing where we're going, can I tell you, there was a, there, there's things that we can talk about and the reality is, is you can spend a whole lot of time just circling the same mountain and still call yourself a leader but never lead anybody any place. And you and I need to understand we do not have that luxury. There's a few things that we need to ask ourselves, and that is this. Uh, we need to understand uh, that there is some responsibility on our parts as men, especially as husbands and ladies, especially as wives, especially if we're still rearing children or we're leading our grandchildren or taking care of those that God has entrusted in our care. We have to understand this. Do I have complete knowledge of the mission? Do I really know what my responsibility is? Do I really know what my goal is? Do I really have complete knowledge of what is really required at this season in my life? Solomon, as he begins to take the people, he begins to take them to a place where they could encounter God. But yet when he gets there and he begins to call out to the Lord, he acknowledges that that which has been entrusted to him is far greater than anything he can do on his own. Can I tell you tonight, the responsibility that has been given to the church of Jesus Christ is far greater than anything we can accomplish on our own. I have uh, I've said I've shared this throughout uh, different times, but I, I love quotes, and I go through and I find quotes that speak to my heart. And Edward Hale, the great uh, minister of yesteryear, uh, in heaven today, he made this statement. He said, "If you have accomplished all that you have placed for yourself, you have not planned enough." I am a firm believer tonight that we should press towards the high calling of God. But if we ever get to a place where we think we have arrived, then we have not planned enough. 
There should be some promises that God has spoken to us that we see from a distance that when we're still getting ready to leave this aged body and step from this world into that world, that we should still have our hearts set on the things of God in such a manner that we said, I may not have obtained that, but I know that the generation that I poured into is going to fulfill that which I have prepared for them to accomplish. Can I tell you, this thing is much bigger than you and I can even imagine. There is biblical examples that talk to us about planning. And I understand that some people, and I, and I get this and I don't want to sound negative, but there is so many times that I can go back in my mind and I, and, and, and I don't want to sound negative, but we have wasted so much time because we did not think it was biblical to be planners. Well, we'll just let the Holy Spirit lead how he wills. I, I tell you, I can go back and I love, there's so much that I love of yesterday, but I'm not going to go back to yesterday. Now there's some anointing there. There's some things there that I really like, but one thing that I really don't miss, and this has not been mean, but this has just been honest and transparent and real with you. One thing I don't miss is five minutes in between each song and somebody on the platform saying, sister, do you have a song? Well, I don't know if I do or not. Or, well, come on, sing for us, sister. We didn't have any plan. We wasted so much time. We just wanted God to do all of it. I don't know why y'all whispering to each other. You know I'm telling you the truth. We'd be in the midst of a powerful move of God. Somebody would be singing. The power of God would be in the room. And then somebody didn't know what to do. And we didn't plan for it. So then we just got up and said, well, brother, so-and-so, you got a song? I'm not against the invitation. But I'm saying there has to be some planning on our part to lead this thing, to know how to handle it, to know how to usher it. Because when God gives you something like that, it's precious. And you and I today, we, we have to realize that when we get to a realm where, and, and you say, well, I just don't know. Listen, I'm not, I'm saying this, we have to live a life that is planned and that is strategic. Uh, and we have to make sure that even when we do all of that, we have to make room that if the Holy Spirit shows up and wants to change our schedule, we can be fluid in it and say, you know what? It's not about me anyway. I don't have to preach. I don't have to sing. But God, as long as somebody's life has been touched and transformed by your power, and your authority, that's all that matters. Uh, but can I tell you the ideal that we can just come and go through uh, and not plan uh, and not take it re uh, for the responsibility that's been granted to us. Uh, can I tell you, we are not biblical. There is biblical examples all throughout your Bible that shows you that men and women took this serious. I don't think you can talk about anything more serious than when God says, I did it. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? Notice with me in Isaiah chapter number 37, you'll read in verse number 26, he says, have you not heard? Long ago, I did it. From ancient times, I planned it. Now, I have brought it to pass. You, do you understand that when God designs to do something in the year 2023, he didn't just wake up in October and say, I think I'll do that today. But before the foundation of the world, when he was looking and doing what he does, he says, at that time, at that season, I am going to move in this manner. Now, that does not mean that things could not be altered, but it says this, that when men pray, that he hears and he answers. But there is some things that set in motion that he says, I have planned for it to happen in this manner and at this time. You can also find in Jeremiah chapter one, verse number five, we find these words. <laughs> he says, Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. He said, before you was ever even thought of, uh, he said, I'd already planned for you uh, and already planned an office for you and I'd already ordained you. Uh, and can I tell you, uh, God himself is a God that plans for things to happen. So may I ask you this question, what are you planning for? And it say, what are you praying for? What are you planning for? 
What we have seen over the history of the church, especially in the Western culture, is this. We never taught people to really look for the, and they, they always had ambition, say, well, God's going to do something. But we never taught people how to plan for it. And then when it happens, we're unprepared. Here's my thought process. It doesn't matter how many people you may have at the moment. What matters is what has God told you you're going to have in the future. And if God has given you a glimpse of what your future looks like, you need to start operating in the present like you already have it. That means this, in the corporate setting, if you have 50 people in the house of the Lord, then you can operate on one realm. But if God has showed you you're going to have 500 or 1,500 or 5,000, while you got the 50, you need to train those 50 to walk alongside you and operate and usher and treat people like you do and run your place like it already has whatever number he showed you. Because it's called planning. It's called living strategically. And when you start living strategically, what you're doing is this. You're telling yourself as well as you are operating in a realm where God is understanding you know what they believe me they're trusting in me they're walking after me and therefore if you're planning you are not giving a foothold to the enemy to deter you please hear me God is not the only one that operated in this realm if you went to talk about the story of Noah and the ark notice with me in Genesis chapter 7 through Genesis chapter 9, you will find that the word of the Lord comes to Noah. He didn't just say, hey, I want you to build an ark. But he gave him precise measurements. He gave him a time frame. He gave him the blueprint, if you will. And Noah accepted it, embraced it, and he began to methodically do what God had placed in his heart to do because he chose to live his life strategically. You can go on and you will find that Nehemiah is another example. Anybody remember the story of Nehemiah? He was a cupbearer to the king. Everything was well with him. But some of his brothers from the city of his fathers came. Nehemiah chapter 1, he asked, he said, how is it with those that has came out of captivity? How is it with those that are in the city of Jerusalem? He said, oh, they're in great reproach. The walls of the city are torn down. The gates are burned. He said, it's a disaster. You will find that when you begin to read through chapter 1, Nehemiah begins to become so heavy, he began to fast and pray. He called out and prayed a prayer of repentance. Uh, and as he began to repent on behalf of his fathers and others, and even himself, Something began to burn with him. And he realized that his purpose on earth was not just to be a cupbearer to a king and to sit in a place of luxury, in a place where there was no threat to his life. But he had never been in the presence of the king sad before because actually he could have lost his life for walking in in that manner. But when he walked before the king, the king said, I know you're not sick, but what's wrong with you? He said, how can I not be sorrowful of heart knowing that the city of my fathers is lying in ruins? He said, let me go. What he was simply saying, let me walk out the strategic thing that God has placed in my heart. Now, when you get to chapter number two and you begin to read through this passage of scripture, it's very powerful because notice what he does, what he does in this time. He goes to Jerusalem after he gets the letters from the king, after he gets moved over and he gets transitioned. He's over there in Jerusalem for three days. Doesn't tell anybody why he's there. But you find in verse, uh, chapter number 2, verse number 11, he says, So I came to Jerusalem and, and was there for three days, and I rose in the night, I and some few men with me. Neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, only the one that I rode upon. He said, and I went out by night by the gate and of the valley, and even before the dragon well into the dung poured and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which was broken down, and the gates thereof was consumed with fire. He said, then I went on down to the gate of the fountain and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast uh, that was under me to pass. It was so devastated. He said, then I went up in the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley. And then I returned. Notice this. He said, and the rulers knew not whether I went or what I did. 
Neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. Then said I unto them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth in waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. He said, then I told them that the hand of my God, which was good upon me, and they began to say, let us rise and let us build. Notice with me, he did not just show up and say, we're going to do this thing. But he was there for three days. He mounted up his beast. He went out in the night and he began to survey everything that was going on. And as he did, I am a firm believer that God began to give him a plan. God began to give him spiritual insight of how and what he needed to do. And when you begin to read through the rest of your story, you will find that an impossible task was done and accomplished in 52 days because a man understood that I have to live strategically. I don't know about you, but if you could get a picture of this with me, you come to the city of Jerusalem the, the walls are broken down, the gates are burned, the rubble is so massive that the beast could not even make its way through. Can I tell you, we're talking not about a small task, but he had a strategic plan and he was able to articulate that plan in such a manner that in 52 days he had men and families working together even in the midst of some great opposition, they accomplished something because they understood the value of planning. John Maxwell makes this statement, and I want to give it to you tonight. Failing to plan is a plan to fail. Can I say that again? Failing to plan is a plan to fail. Can I say this with all the love that I have tonight? If you don't have a plan, then you're planning on failing. You can hope all you want, but if you don't have a plan, and I'm not talking about just a plan, but we got to get back to what is God's plan. What's God's plan for our nation? What's God's plan for our family? What's God's plan for our local house of worship? What's God's plan for our community? Listen, he will give us insight and direction. We have gotten so accustomed to just responding to the events of today. But if you and I are just living in a manner where we're responding to the events of the day, we are not really living a strategic life. We are letting life lead us and control us when we should be controlling it. Notice, I'll hurry tonight. Not only did Noah and Nehemiah, but David himself was a man that understood the value of living a strategic life. 2 Samuel chapter 7 will tell you that there was a desire and a passion for David to build a house for the Lord. You probably remember that account and that story. But the Lord says, I'm not going to allow you to build me a house because you have shed too much blood. You're, you're a man of war and I cannot allow you to do that. But however, I will allow your son to build the house that you desire. Now, David could have said, okay, I'm fine with that and just kept doing what he was doing. But in that moment, there was an absolute shift in David's life of what he was doing. You will find that your Bible teaches that he began to prepare and not prepare, but just prepare in abundance. And when Solomon took over, notice with me, he not just had heard words from his father, but David gave him a detailed plan and gave him everything that he needed to fulfill the task. And notice with me, Solomon built that which we often talk about only because the simple fact that the generation before him planned for him to build it. God has given us something very special. It's our children, it's our grandchildren. I want to ask the question today, what are you planning for them to build? Are we just trying to go through 
the motions and say, we're going to do what we do, or do we really, really have a plan? Oftentimes, we have seen men and women of God do wonderful things, but when they pass away, everything that they work for crumbles down around them, and it's because there was no planning for the future. Please hear me. We have not been successful if the things that we have in our heart and the passions and the desire that we see in the future, when we die, if they die, we have failed. But if they continue to live on, then we have been successful. But that only happens when we live strategically. Listen tonight. I need you to understand the importance with me that David handed Solomon a completed plan for the temple and a list of materials that was on hand. And he simply said, I bless you to build a house for the Lord. Jesus himself in his earthly ministry talked about the importance he frequently spoke about, the necessity of planning and strategizing for the future. You could talk to a long time tonight about the wise and the foolish builder in Matthew chapter number seven. You could talk about the builder counting the cost in Luke chapter number 14. You could talk about the king planning for battle in Luke chapter 14, 31 and 32. You could also talk about the unjust servant in Luke chapter number 16. All of these have to do with planning. I want to give you just a few steps this evening. Steps to effective strategically planning, living a life that will be able to bring glory and honor to the Lord. Tonight, number one is this. You and I must learn how to plan to plan. You say, what do you mean? And this is one of the things that I struggle with the most. I'll be that transparent with you. Sometimes it drives me crazy to sit down and have to plan it out. But I've learned over the years that if I take the time to plan, then I can execute it properly. But if you take a very short time to plan something, it will take you twice as long to execute it. But if you will take and do due diligence in your planning, if you will take this amount of time to plan it, it will execute what and fulfill what you want to in a short amount of time. Notice with me. You have to plan to plan. That means for your marriage. That means for your children. That means for your business. That means for your church. Listen, it means every avenue of your life, you should be taking time and say, we're going to plan to plan. The reason we don't plan to plan is because of the simple fact we have failed to teach people the importance of communication and uh, the importance of clarity of thought. If you haven't noticed, our world is shaking and it's, shifting and it's moving and there's fear and there's anxiousness and there's anxiety and there's many people searching for answers that we need to be planning now for what God has in store for our future. I have a dear friend. His name is Jacob Persley. He lived in the nation of Turkey for 15 years. About six years ago, they was getting ready to capture him. It's getting ready to take him. He was, most of, some of you may remember Pastor Andrew that was, that was taken hostage and held. It was his ministry partner. They was working together. It became so hot that they began to say, uh, Jacob, you need to get out, of it, uh, get out of Turkey or you're getting ready to be captured. So Jacob took his family, his wife and his two children, and took them into the nation of Armenia. And that's where he lives now. And that's who we work with uh, on some of the things that we're doing with Brother Bobby Mills. But... Brother Jacob is a young man that has foresight. He's living a strategic life, and he's on the southern border of Armenia right now in a very rough rural area, going back 100 years, living in very rough conditions uh, for much of his time. And we find that what he understands is this, and when we were talking recently, this is what he said, we're going to miss an opportunity if we don't get busy. So what do you mean by that? And he simply says this, we cannot wait until Iran opens up. We have to get this generation right now to begin to learn to speak the language. 
Not only are they physically preparing and stockpiling warehouses full of Bibles and other resources that is going to be used to launch. Not only are we doing that, but effectively right now they are teaching young Armenian men and women. They're planning to plan, knowing this. The plan is to evangelize Iran. The plan is to make a, a, a large footprint in about 19 different communities at the very first opportunity. And all of that doesn't just happen, and he understands that. And therefore, he's planning to plan. And what he's done over the last year is he's brought in all of the literature, brought everything together. It's been a painstaking task to translate and do all of these things but there is a group of people learning Farsi right now. Even though the door isn't open yet. But because they are going to be equipped and ready. Please hear me. There is hundreds of thousands of people within their reach when the door opens. That will be able to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because somebody decided to live a strategic life. I wonder today, do we understand the value of planning to plan? Next, let me give you this. You and I must get to a place where we understand it is our responsibility to determine our primary purpose. Before you can decide on daily agendas of your life, you must determine what goal you want to reach. What do you want to do with your life? What do I want to do with my life? I understand this. I don't have a whole lot of Tootsie Rolls left in my jar, if you remember that message. I don't have a whole lot. So I got to realize this. If I'm going to do something, I got to do it now. Listen, every day I get up, I understand that this body don't move like it did the day before, it seems like. And they say, well, you just now turned 50. I understand, but the first 50 years, some of those years was pretty rough. And I wasn't always the smartest. I didn't ask God that at certain times in my life, Lord, give me wisdom, give me knowledge. I just said, Lord, let's get it done. Listen, if you're young, just start saying, Lord, give me wisdom, give me knowledge. Don't just say, Lord, let's get it done. Because if you ask for wisdom and knowledge, he'll give you the proper way to get it done, all right? Uh, but can I tell you, uh, if we're not careful, we, we, we get to a place uh, where we have to understand, what is my primary purpose? There's a lot of things that I do that I enjoy, but it's not my primary purpose. And if I'm doing all this other stuff, then I'm wasting my life. Anybody in the room with me tonight? Listen, just bear with me a few more moments. I know it's Sunday evening and I know that you're tired. But whatever, you need to understand that if we are going to be effective, we've got to learn how to live strategically. No matter what age you are tonight. Listen, some of the greatest revivals uh, and some of the greatest outpourings of God has been used uh, and brought into existence because later in life when men and women began to operate with wisdom and knowledge, it took them a lifetime to get there. But that's when they began to have their fullest years uh, in ministry. Uh, and I'm trying to help us, especially the younger ones in this house, don't wait till you're 60 years old and say, yeah, maybe I need to have some wisdom. But no, I want you to understand that if you're 20 years old in this room, if you're 15 in this room, it doesn't matter what age you are. But listen, even the youngest that's in this room, understand this. <coughs> determine what your primary purpose is. Don't waste your time. Let me say this to you tonight. It is okay to say no. You don't have to say yes to everything. You can be supportive of what others is doing, but just because God has put something on somebody else's heart to do, you can pray for them, you can assist them, but that does not have to be your primary purpose. Because God expects us to stay in our lane. That's why there's a five-fold ministry. That's why there's a pastor. That's why there's a teacher. That's why there's a prophet. That's why there's an evangelist. That's why there's an apostle because they all had something specific to do. That's why there's one spirit, but there's many different giftings. Uh, listen, uh, he uniquely anoints us to do certain things so that we can function as a body. And that's why we all must understand and know that our primary purpose is something that we have to search out and realize that we have to submit to it and walk in it. I'm hurrying tonight. Nextly, let me give you this. We have to assess, uh, assess the situation in which we find ourselves. I don't know if you noticed, but we are in a place called a mess. So what do you do in the midst of a mess? 
you got to figure it out. you got to assess what is the top priority, what really needs to be done, what doesn't need to be done. Notice with me, a plan for the future based on an unrealistic view of the present will lead you to a disaster. We don't need any more disaster. But we need to have a plan from a realistic point of view. Let me say this, as much as we love 1980, as much as we love 1990, Maybe as much as you love the early 2000s in the church, we're not going back there. That's not realistic. We are living in a different time. Paul said this. He said, if I'm speaking in a manner that you don't understand, I am a barbarian to you. And if you're speaking to me in a manner that I don't understand, uh, you are a barbarian to me. What he was simply saying is this, you have to, and I'm not just talking about a natural language, but I'm talking about understanding. I got to be able to communicate with this generation in a manner which they understand. And if you haven't noticed, this generation is not the generation of 1980. Please hear me. I'll get real spiritual with you right now, okay? Don't hold it against me. This generation is not a Hank Williams senior generation. It's not a Porter Wagner generation. Let me get a little more spiritual so y'all don't fall out with. It's not a Happy Goodman generation. It's not a cathedral generation. What am I talking about? I love those things and those times of history and, and all of that which was in that era. Listen, if you give me my choice, listen, I, I, I will steal. You get in my truck, you're probably going to find some music you never heard. You say, who in the world is that? Listen, I want you to understand, I, I, I go down memory lane often. When I talk about the Blackwood brothers, and I just love all kinds of those things because it was embedded into me, but I have to understand, if I play that for a 15-year-old today, they're going to say, what in the world is that? Is that music? Really? What am I talking about? I'm talking about understanding that I have to assess the situation. Listen, I feel like I'm doing this a little bit tonight, and you know, if I brought somebody up here to speak in Farsi and made you sit here and listen to them for an hour, you're going to be saying, what in the world are they saying? Because I don't understand a thing that they're saying. We're going to get to a place where we have understanding. What's this generation really saying? But then we have to ask ourselves the question, do they even understand what we're saying? Listen, I have to assess the situation. I have to live a strategic life. In order to do that, I have to be willing to change some things in my life. It's not about personal preference. But it's about understanding my purpose. What is my purpose? My purpose is to go into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. My purpose is to go into all the world teaching and preaching the gospel so that all men have an opportunity to, to accept Jesus Christ as Lord. That's my purpose. That's your purpose. If you're somebody that says, I'm a Christian, I've trusted my life with the Lord, he's Lord of my life. Listen, every one of us in this room, we are called ambassadors for the kingdom. An ambassador does not take its own message. An ambassador always takes a message of another. I want to ask you, that: is your life taking the message of Christ to somebody? If not, you got to stop and you got to plan to plan. you got to figure this thing out. you got to assess the, what's going on because can I tell you, we're, we're, just, we're just wasting valuable time. And I want you to understand with me tonight. There's a couple of things that God says to us that I believe is very, very important that doesn't get enough attention. And one of them is this, I require, I require you to be a good steward. Stewardship is important in the eyes of the Lord. You've heard me talk about it for years, the three T's, your time, your treasure, your talent. None of it belongs to us. We're just given it and we're to be stewards of it. So how well are we really stewarding our time, our treasure, and our talents? I can say this safely tonight and tell you that if we are not living strategically, we're wasting in every one of those areas. We're wasting some time, we're wasting some treasure, and we're wasting some talent because we're doing stuff that we shouldn't be doing. 
not saying those things are not needed, but listen, that's somebody else's primary purpose. It's not yours. Please hear me. If you and I are going to really move into the place that God has for us today, we have to learn how to prioritize the needs that is before us. More often than not, this is what happens. The easy things get done, but the important things will not. Because I'm just so busy and I'm just so tired. The laundry will get done. The dishes will get done. But building the relationship with your spouse will not because it takes a little bit more energy and a little bit more focus and a little bit more commitment. Please hear me. I'd rather have dust on my counter and a dirty dish in my sink and have a godly relationship with my spouse. But it doesn't just happen. You have to live on purpose. You have to live strategically. What do you mean by that, preacher? It means this. You pray together. You walk together. You're not shouting me down tonight, but that's all right. When the ultimate mission is neglected, please hear me. We become a slave to the immediate. I want you to get that in your spirit tonight. When, when the ultimate mission is neglected, we become a slave to the immediate. You may still have a title. You may still have a position. But you're no longer leading. There's godly men that is completely out of source. They're still identified as husband. They're still identified as father, but they're not leading their family because they have become a slave to the immediate. They got to pay an electric bill. They got to pay a gas bill. They got to pay this payment. They got to do that. Listen, I understand that, but listen, don't become a slave to things. If you become a slave to those things, then you begin to neglect what your primary purpose is. Can I tell you, husband, you're still supposed to love your wife as Christ loved the church. We got a lot of godly women that are slave to the immediate because they neglect the fact of their role as well. We have children that's completely out of sorts because of the simple fact they've never been led in the manner biblically that God has called them to be led. I know this is maybe to be stuff to hear tonight in our lives, but listen, I'm not I'm not talking about just being average. I'm talking about excelling to the place that God's calling us to be as men and women of God. As they come to the piano, I'm going to stop this evening because I could go much, much more. But I want you to understand the importance. Just a few weeks ago, I called our worship team and our Sunday school staff and a few others had a brief meeting with them and this is one of the things that God had began to burn and put in my heart and I felt like it was important to lay out before them what God was really burning in my spirit and this is what I wanted to communicate and my whole purpose was to try to communicate and to clarify what our purpose is why is it we get on this platform every Sunday, every Wednesday? Why is it that we try to put resources in your hand to go into that classroom and try to teach and to try to impart in those children? Why is it that we continually to try to invest and to make production better so that those beyond the lens of that camera can experience what we're experiencing in here? Why is it all of this is taking place? Let me say this about communication today. Communication is sharing a vision of the objective 
that is to be accomplished. I, do we as people of God even know what we're trying to accomplish is the question tonight. Maybe I can try to clarify for those of you that's in this room with me tonight. Why is it that this parcel of ground on the side of the road is here? Why is it that we've committed such time and energy and resources to be here? Moving forward, this is what I will say. When you hear PTC Ministries or Pentecostal Tabernacle Church, whatever you want to call it, Here's the statement that I want to be attached to it. When you hear it, this is what I want you to understand. This is our purpose. This is why we're here. Living strategically. Please hear me. It's our desire for us to be a place of refuge for the broken. A place of hope for the hurting. A place of encouragement for the weak and a place of equipping for the saints. That's our purpose. We're not here for anything other than that. We're not here just for a good service. We're not here just for an emotional sensation. We're not here just to fill up a calendar. We're not here just to usher somebody in and to say, oh, that's a wonderful person or that's a wonderful thing. No, 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 no. We're here to be a place of refuge for the broken. Everything we do is for that reason. We're here to be a place of hope for the hurting. Can I tell you, there's hurting people all around you today. But we're also a place of encouragement for the weak. When was the last time you encouraged somebody? Oh, that's just silly, preacher. Listen, sometimes it just takes a, takes a 30 second message. It takes a 30 second phone call. Say, hey, I don't really need anything. Just wanted to let you know I'm thinking of you today. I love you. I appreciate you. That's all you have to say. You'll never know what that does for men and women. We're also a place for the equipping of the saints. That's what we're trying to do tonight. I could have come here and preached a traditional message. I could have spit all over you, screamed and hollered. There's a time of place for those things, but there's also a time of equipping to tell you this. You have to do some things for yourself. I have to do some things for myself. In the word of the Lord, we find Solomon understood that. I didn't forget where I started tonight. It was a time of transition. It was a time where David had passed on. A nation had lost its king. Everything was different. Everything was shifting. Everything was moving. And he begins to say, won't you all come with me? We're going to go out here. And we're going to go to the congregation of the Lord. We're going to go out here. And I'm sure some of them were scratching their heads saying, why in the world are we going to go out there to the tabernacle that Moses built? Why would we go out there? Because the Ark of the Covenant wasn't there. It had already been removed. It had already been taken into the city of David. It had been placed in a tent that David had prepared for. The ark, of the, which is symbolic of the presence of the Lord, the presence of the Lord wasn't even out there. But Solomon says, we're going to go out. Solomon understood there is something out there. There's a brazen altar outside of that tabernacle. He said, I got to offer a sacrifice to the Lord, and that's the only place I can do it. And what a sacrifice he offered. And when the Lord saw the sacrifice that he offered, he came and visited him that night, and he said, Solomon, what is it that you want? He said, You've touched my heart, Solomon. Here's just what he said He said, Lord, I need you to give me wisdom, I need you to give me knowledge so that I can live strategically and fulfill the task that you gave me. 
because I can't do what you've entrusted me to do without your wisdom and without your knowledge. Sitting in this room tonight, there is gifts and talents that's been given to you by Almighty God. You was created for a design assignment and a divine purpose. But can I tell you, the only way you can walk and fulfill it is if you have his wisdom, if you have his knowledge. And the only way you get that is to go out and to touch his heart and to offer yourself to him. Don't fail to plan because it's a plan to fail. But make a commitment, whatever stage of life you are, that says this, I don't know how I made it this far, but Lord, the rest of my days, I'm going to plan to plan. I'm not just going to do whatever. I'm not going to let every wind move me, but Lord, I'm going to know what my purpose is. I'm going to know what I'm trying to accomplish. And that's what I'm going to do. Let's be found faithful to the call and let's live a strategic life on this Sunday evening understand this with me that just because you plan does not mean that you won't face opposition there will be obstacles there will be resistance but never forget this. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And don't ever forget that no weapon formed against you can prosper because we have a promise. And he says, I will be with you and I will be with you even to the end. And today I want you to understand with me The most important thing we can do at this moment is to live strategically because there's a generation around us that is desiring something more than what they currently have. They're trying everything the world offers, but you and I are sitting in our possession with the greatest message, the greatest hope, Let's live strategically so we can get this what we have before those that's around us, no matter what the cost is. As we stand all over the house this evening, I pray tonight that something that we have said may have touched your heart. I mentioned Edward E. Hale earlier today. It says, when you have accomplished all that you have planned for yourself, you have not planned enough. He also made this statement, and I think it's very profound. He said, coming together is a beginning. Keeping together is progress. But working together is success. It's wonderful that we come together with Christ. It's, it's a beautiful thing that we keep together and experience progress. But it is only when we make the decision that we're going to work with him that we really have true success. Can I remind you of another young man that took the reins of leadership when the man of God had graduated to heaven? His name was Joshua. You can read of him in the book of Joshua. Chapter 1, down around verse number 8, he'd received a word from the Lord. And he simply said, Be strong, be very courageous. Don't go to the right, don't go to the left. What he was simply saying is this, Joshua just lived strategically 
And as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. He said, every place that you put your foot, I'll give you. There's some land that he wants to restore back to the people of God in this season. There's some things that he's wanting to bring back into our possession. But we have to live strategically. Tonight, I want to pray with you. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Just a simple prayer tonight. Lord, help me to live focused. Help me to live strategically. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. Oh, we love you tonight. We thank you for who you are. And we thank you for all that you've done. We thank you, Lord, for your blessings. We thank you, Lord, for your provision. We thank you, Lord, for the promises of your word. But also we thank you for your principles that you have given us in your word. And tonight, Father, I've tried to articulate to the best of my ability the value and the importance of living a strategic life. Lord, I pray that you would take this feeble attempt and let it penetrate the ears of every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, and let it go down and penetrate the heart and let the inner man hear this in such a manner that it would awaken us to maybe self-examine and to evaluate and to embrace that which you have called and gifted us to do and to be. So today, Lord, I pray that we would be a people that would not have idle hands, also that we would not be people that are scattered and moving in every direction, but we would be men and women that are strategically living our, our lives every day because as we go to the word of the Lord and by and through your precious spirit, you're molding us, you're making us, you're teaching us and you're revealing to us not just things that are was and things that are, are but Lord even the things in the future so Lord today I pray Lord that there would not be an overwhelmingness to your people but Lord that there would be a calming of your spirit that would come and settle down upon them and help us Lord not to be busybodies, but Lord, help us to be men and women that are living strategically, working diligently in the field to bring in a harvest in this season. So Lord, today I pray, I pray for clarity of thought to be granted. I pray for a peace and a rest to come to their mind and their emotion and their spirit. Lord, in your word, it teaches us to be anxious for nothing, but in all things to trust you. So Lord, today I pray that they would no longer battle in their mind the what ifs of tomorrow. But Lord, I pray that you would give them the strength and the ability to live strategically today. Lord, I pray that all of us would embrace Matthew 6, that we would understand if we seek you first, everything else will fall into place. So, Lord, I pray as your people seek you, Lord, that you would be faithful to answer and you would bring revelation, you would bring clarity of thought, and, Lord, that you would get us into a position, Lord, where we would impact a generation with the glorious gospel where lives would be forever changed where people would be set free and delivered where joy unspeakable would begin to abound Lord I thank you for it and I'm believing for it 
in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, bless your people. No matter what their week may be filled with, Lord, I pray you keep them safe, give them direction, give them guidance. Let them be blessed in the city. Let them be blessed in the field. Let them be blessed going out. Let them be blessed coming in. Lord, let your face shine brightly upon them and give them blessed peace, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, everybody. It's Pastor Jade Abrams here. I just want to thank you for watching and joining with us today. We're so glad that you chose to be with us. We just encourage you to stay in contact with us. Click, follow, subscribe on all of our social media platforms to stay up to date what's happening here at PTC. We bless you in Jesus' name, and we love you, and so does God. Have a good day.